and welcome to Transitioning to Carbon Net Zero, presented by Standard Chartered, the podcast where we discuss the challenges involved in decarbonizing the global economy. While many companies say they plan to reduce their carbon emissions, there remain questions about what this journey involves. How should companies rethink sustainability? How can they reach carbon net zero? And what role does global finance play in this journey? I'm Libby Potter, and in this episode, it's my pleasure to be joined by Daniel Hanna, Global Head of Sustainable Finance at Standard Chartered. Daniel, how long have you been involved in sustainability and what motivates you in this role? I think this is one of the biggest challenges um, that we face. Um, we've, we've gone through a tremendous shock uh, as a planet, as a people, um, through this pandemic over the last um, 12, 12, 18 months. Um, but actually looking forward, I think the planet collectively has a huge challenge to avoid the potentially catastrophic impact from climate change, but also to really uh, try and tackle the um, issues around sustainable development uh, and giving people the right living standards and access across the whole markets. And there, there's a big, big challenge there. And I think I've been involved in this space for a very long time. And I've seen both, if you like, firsthand that the the need in many countries um, for this kind of capital and investment um, and change, but also the positive impact that when uh, good policy meets uh, increased investor focus, the, the change that you can have to drive up living standards and growth uh, and also better uh, implications for our for our planet. And I think one of the beautiful things about the Standard Chartered Platform is because we operate in, in so many markets across Asia, Africa and the Middle East, um, where there is this potential to drive change that will lead to better outcomes across the sustainable development goals, um, that you can really have a tremendous impact in an institution that's really focused on this uh, and truly does want to be here for good. What do you think COVID-19 has done to society in terms of the way we think about our impact on the planet? I think the short answer is we don't know. It's too early to say what the full implications of COVID-19 are going to be, but it's obviously been a hugely challenging uh, time for the whole planet and many of us, and clearly very devastating for the more than 100 million people who've been directly affected and, and those that have lost lives um, as a result of the pandemic. Um, I think what it has shown is that um, society can make some pretty big choices and changes when it needs to. Um, and I think from many of those that are active within, say, the climate space, it has raised some interesting possibilities around the ability to take similar action to face uh, the climate crisis um, and that society can come together um, to make these sort of changes that we will be required to do um, to change the likely uh, trajectory of, of climate warming. So do you think that things will revert to the way they were? Or is this, as I'm sure everybody hopes, um, perhaps a sign that we could actually be at a tipping point for change? I think certainly the, the feedback so far has suggested it will be a tipping point. It will be that we will see uh, some really significant changes coming out as a result of this. You know, we can sort of see that playing out both in terms of the investments that we are seeing uh, laid into new technology um, to sort of accelerate that transition to a low carbon future. Um, the commitments that we've seen from many countries around the world um, to be net zero, the US rejoining the Paris Agreement. Um, so that sort of does suggest that there are signs, if you like, for 
some silver linings come out of COVID that we will see um, people take the climate challenge much, much more seriously. And I think more broadly than that, uh, be much more thoughtful about our impacts on the environment and um, the uh, issues around things like biodiversity. I think one of the other interesting things that COVID has, has really shone a spotlight on is the whole social issues around inequality. And I think that will be a, a very key theme going forward. We did a survey of um, uh, investors last year at sort of the height of the pandemic. And one of the things that, that came out quite clearly was an increase overall in people's interest in investing aligned to ESG, sustainable finance, uh, or environmental and social governance issues. So I, I do sort of hope, I think that there is just a greater awareness going forward and um, you know, much more interest from the private sector uh, and much more interest from investors to, to really drive this agenda. When companies talk about sustainability, there's sometimes cynicism that a company might be greenwashing or purpose washing. What do these terms mean to you? And what's the damage of this in terms of the global effort to reduce carbon emissions? I think it's really important uh, to take the issues around greenwashing, purpose washing incredibly seriously. And certainly at Standard Child, we, we very much do. Um, so whenever we call something green or sustainable, um, it has to go through a separate committee of people who really do assess um, whether we are actually having uh, a positive impact here or not. And I, I think in some ways, greenwashing is just another example potentially of, of mis-selling and should be treated as seriously as such. Um, and it definitely is a very big um, concern. and I think it probably holds back a number of people from being involved in it, which is why it's really important to have a very robust uh, process and to be very open and honest about the challenges. I think going forward, what, what is encouraging is I think we are seeing a much greater focus from um, investors, financial institutions, um, and others around being very transparent around the um, impact that we're having um, and very clear around linking um, action to impact. Uh, so, for example, we, we publish an annual impact report that sets out all the uh, sustainable finance that we do aligned to the SDGs, sustainable development goals, and then reports against those metrics, you know, whether it's the 738,000 tons of carbon we've offset, um, or the 1.7 million people that, uh, that we've given access to clean water for the first time. And I think it is that level of kind of transparency and clarity that, that will encourage people um, and sort of deal with this problem. But I think it is, it is absolutely key that we all do take it very, very seriously. I think that the, the slight challenge around it, of course, is that um, we need to reflect, I think, both the science around climate. So we, we need uh, emissions to reduce uh, along a realistic pathway to see change, um, but also reflect some of the sort of local differences between uh, countries where, for example, you know, Belgium and Bangladesh are starting from very different um, points at this stage in terms of where they are in that transition. Um, and so we need to make sure that we've got something that is able to capture the sort of scientific baseline of both um, and also reflect those local challenges, but also be explainable at a global level about the link between them. So Standard Chartered have been championing the transition to net zero for several years now. And um, but clearly, you know, your stance has, has developed, it's changed. Can you describe to me how it's evolved over these years? Yeah, I think, I mean, the bank has always has had a very long history of a focus around environmental and social governance issues. We set up our first sort of ESG risk team, so the team that assesses the, um, the risk of, being, of supporting clients or getting involved in projects 
1997, we um, have built over a period of time uh, to uh, incorporate more and more focus on this in terms of all the lending decisions that we take, um, and then sort of building this sustain a dedicated team to look at sustainable finance solutions for our clients. Um, so I think it, it is something that has been building for a long time. We talk about being here for good, and, and that really tries to mean something at the institution. Um, I think our vision overall is to be the world's most sustainable and responsible bank, and we recognize that we're not there. There's a lot of work to do that, um, but we do believe that that's a really important goal to set, not least because if you look at the big challenges of the next decade, one of them is the fact that Asia as a whole is probably the largest and fastest growing source of emissions, um, and we really need to see a significant reduction in emissions there, um, but also there are a number of countries across emerging Asia, Africa, and the Middle East um, where there are significant inequalities or growth issues that need to be tackled. And so I think there is a, a issue, a real issue of both tackling climate, uh, but also connecting the 1 billion people across our footprint who have no access to power to clean power for the first time and leapfrogging, um, if you like, uh, some previous uh, technology. So I think it's, it's, it's very clearly a, a big area of focus, and it's one that we can play, a, uh, we think we can play a very important role. Uh, more broadly than that, it's important that the bank sort of also walks the talk uh, in terms of this focus. And so that's why we've had a commitment to being uh, net zero in our operations by 2030 and net zero in our financing activities by 2050, and are putting a plan um, together on the financing side to really help our clients uh, transition and therefore reduce their emissions and then indirectly the impact that we have through lending to them. And what are the findings from the impact report? You mentioned the first sustainable finance impact report. One of the things that's quite unique about Standard Chartered is being a UK regulated and listed bank. Um, we sort of operate in a, a regulatory environment that I think will be very familiar to people, uh, to investors who are, say, from Europe or, or the UK or from the US. In terms of um, our sustainable finance book, 86% um, of our sustainable financing is in the world's least developed um, nations. And, and by working with Standard Chartered, um, whether it's um, taking part in the sustainable finance bond that we issued um, or through our sustainable finance products, people are able to have, if you like, that impact through a, a UK regulated listed entity, but actually in the markets that you know really arguably are facing the biggest issues from climate risk, but also have the biggest opportunities to leapfrog um, to low carbon um, business models and technology. And I think one of the things it also really highlighted, for me at least, is the importance of being thoughtful, not just on the amount of money that needs to be raised by sustainability, in sustainability or in climate issues, but also where that money is going. In some ways, where is more important than how much? Um, and I can give you an example, which is if you have a, a solar project in, let's say, India, and you have the same solar project in France, um, the project in, in India has a seven times bigger impact in terms of reducing CO2 just because of the power that it's replacing on the Indian grid versus the French grid. So how I think we collectively move capital from Lyon to Lucknow um, and really drive um, that sort of whole push into climate and sustainability in the, mar in the markets where there's that biggest opportunity is actually a key challenge, not just for Standard Chartered or people that work with us, but actually for, for the whole planet as we look to accelerate the, the fight against climate change.
And how hard is it for a company to measure their sustainability? I mean, it must be fiendishly complicated. What challenges do organisations, companies face when they need to measure the impact of their own output, their own energy consumption, etc.? This space is, is moving and evolving quite rapidly. So I think our awareness and, and the amount of data that we've got in, in establishing, if you like, a baseline of where we are is improving. But there's no doubt it's a lot harder for a company, let's say, in um, in Sri Lanka or, or Senegal to try and work out what its emissions impact is than, say, for a company in, say, Sweden or Canada. Um, so a lot of it comes down to data availability, and that's actually where we're working with a number of our clients to effectively share um, our view of what their emissions impact is so that they can then start building that as a bit of a, a baseline. What are some of the notable projects that Standard Chartered is involved in in respect to sustainability? If you look across the um, the markets that we operate in, there, there are a number of different situations where, you know, I, I feel quite proud actually of the work that the bank has done to enable financing that supports both um, you know, whether it's a climate agenda or the broader sustainable development goals um, and also the underlying uh, requirements of, of our clients. Um, so, for example, whether that was financing a railway in Tanzania that effectively took um, goods off transportation by diesel uh, lorries or whether it's the work that we did uh, around our COVID 1 billion commitment where we have um, funded companies uh, on a non-profit basis that were involved in um, the sort of production uh, or acquiring of PPE in say Uganda or the manufacture of um, uh, important medicines in South Asia or um, helping a steel manufacturer shift its capabilities so it could start making oxygen tanks to support the local hospitals. Um, I think there are a number of different areas where if you like on a on a case-by-case -case basis, I think we, we've managed to impact um, both the clients and positively our, our communities. And I think if you think on a broader structural basis, I think one of the things that we're working on at the moment is, is around the um, establishment of a fully functioning carbon offset market. Um, at the moment, carbon offset markets, I think, are quite fragmented. They're sort of uh, beset by issues around... Uh, the additionality or the impact that they're actually having. They're very much done on a bespoke basis as opposed to being a very liquid market that anyone can kind of look at. Um, and I think, you know, we need to see a significant shift uh, across all business models to reduce emissions. But in some cases, that's going to take a while. And in the meantime, we don't really have the luxury of waiting. We do need to find ways of effectively, um, credibly uh, offsetting emissions uh, to reduce the impact that we're having on climate. And so I think having a, a credible offset market is going to be a key part of that uh, and a key part of, of really showing what the real cost of carbon is, uh, which needs to rise quite substantially uh, to really affect the change I think we all want to see on climate. It's sometimes said that the solutions to allow us to actually reach net zero aren't available yet at scale. Where do you see the opportunities for investors in developing these solutions? I guess on a simple level, I think of uh, achieving net zero like this. So first of all, we need to electrify as much as we can possibly do so. Um, and then once we've electrified as much as we can do, we need to power that through renewables as much as we can do. Um, and I think there's a lot of scope to, to do much, much more in that. And I think particularly in, in emerging markets where 
effectively renewables now are approaching and certainly will approach grid parity in the next couple of years in pretty much every country in the world. Um, and so there isn't really a rationale for using uh, non-sustainable sources of power now going forward. But we need to massively scale that, which is why we've got a commitment to fund $75 billion worth of clean technology and sustainable infrastructure across emerging markets at Standard Chartered. I think the second thing then comes down to, once you've done that though, is, is you know the, what's called these hard to abate sectors. Um, and that's really looking at where emissions are being generated and the technology isn't yet there to really drive um, a substantial reduction in, in carbon emissions. Um, and we're sort of really focused on this area and, and trying to use transition finance to really um, accelerate that process. So whether it's looking at things like the use of hydrogen um, or uh, the use of, of carbon capture storage technology or other new technology that's, that's emerging but really needs to be rapidly scaled up to um, something that can be done commercially, I think is, is, is really key. Um, and this year we're, we're publishing... Uh, a number of um, industry pathways around how we think that transition can can really happen, um, and sort of setting out what we think are the key levers and um, the appetite of Standard Chartered to really support with financing to accelerate that going forward. And what about belief um, within industries, companies? How much do you think that from the top down there is um, a confidence in the possibility of achieving net zero and actually having that be sustainable financially for them? I mean, I think there's increasing awareness from companies that in some ways we don't have a choice. I, I think what we are seeing from whether it's consumers with now, I think pretty much across every single uh, region in the world, 75 to 80% of consumers believe it's critical that companies play a role in positively impacting the environment and society, or whether it's regulators that increasingly see this as a, a key focus, or shareholders and investors, you know, more than half of the shareholder resolutions over the last 18 months in the US have been related to environmental issues um, or staff um, as well from who want to work from a company that's really driving the right changes. So I, I think it's become less about um, whether a company can or can't afford to do this. It's more about whether a company uh, cannot, uh, you know, can, it, can a company really afford not to do this? Um, and certainly I, I think that's very much what we're seeing being discussed at boardrooms um, in pretty much every single industry across the planet. It can be very bewildering to be um, on the consumer end of the situation to watch Attenborough and to read these reports and feel completely powerless, but it sounds like you're optimistic. I mean, I think, to be honest, one of the things that this whole space, I think we've not done very well, is there is a bewildering list, uh, alphabet soup of acronyms, definitions, uh, phrases that get thrown out. And so, I, I, I mean, frankly, I find it confusing sometimes to think through exactly uh, what someone is saying. Uh, so I don't think we've made it easy for people. So I, I think, as you say, a lot of people are just put off by effectively the terminology that gets thrown around. But then also just the sort of sheer scale of things that need to to happen, um, it can also be a bit off-putting because you're like, well, you know, can I really affect um, that kind of change? I mean, I, I sort of, I'm optimistic that small changes can add up um, and that we can all take decisions in our daily lives that can improve this, but also that technology can change the historical trade-offs. The fact that renewables have substantially come down in cost over the last 20 years is, is a great success. And has meant that the sort of traditional trade-off between 
if you like, no power or brown power has now changed such that you can connect people to clean power for the first time. Um, so, you know, there are a billion people across the markets that, that uh, Standard Charter operate and they have access to no power. And so for the first time ever, they have the option now of, we have the option of supporting it such that they have access to clean power for the first time. Um, but equally, I think if I look forward then, the technological change that's coming and the focus on this from governments, on from the private sector, from consumers, I think I do, I do remain optimistic that the change um, that w is required will hopefully happen. But I do feel that there is a huge urgency. We need to move much faster and at much more scale than we are currently doing. And I think that's where the focus needs to be. We know roughly where we need to go. Now we all just need to collectively move there much, much quicker. And how much responsibility do you feel personally and, and also as a representative of a large bank to be an accelerant in that speed of change? Because for the average person, it feels like we can't have any influence whatsoever, whereas it must feel for you that you can. Yeah, I feel a huge sense of uh, almost obligation. I think it, it, there is a, a real opportunity at a bank like Santa Charters where we can have this positive um, impact um, across all our markets. And I think it's it's very much part of my role to try and make sure that that can happen as, as quickly as possible and to the greater the greatest extent it can as well. Um, I also feel, frankly, a, an obligation to try and live um, as as sustainable life as possible, but I also you know appreciate that I fail at that every day, um, and you know it's it's very hard to change your entire lifestyle uh, in a way that you know you can feel completely comfortable. I think we all just need to try and progressively do more as we go forward and keep questioning ourselves to see is there more that I can do. What are the key messages that you want listeners to come away with after listening to this episode? I think there's been a lot of success in sustainable finance. We've seen a huge number um, of new issuances and green bonds, social bonds. But increasingly, we need to think not just how much, but we also need, we need to think about where and, and what. Where is that capital going and what kind of impact is it it's having? It's really critical that we ensure that when we are focused on, on ESG or sustainable financing, that we're also clear that there is a transparent impact that is really driving positive change. And also that that capital is going to where it needs the most. The countries that face the biggest risk from uh, climate change and have the biggest gap to the sustainable development goals, um, but also have the biggest opportunity to leapfrog to low carbon uh, business models and, and technology. To really drive capital to where it matters the most, we need to see a significant shift happening um, towards the emerging markets in the years to come. Well, my thanks to Daniel Hanna, Global Head of Sustainable Finance at Standard Chartered. If you liked this conversation, we also have another episode available now. Just search Transitioning to Carbon Net Zero wherever you get your podcasts. And to find out more about Standard Chartered's approach to sustainability, please visit sc.com forward slash sustainability. Until next time on Transitioning to Carbon Net Zero, goodbye.